The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is a one-liner from Marcus Aurelius's book two, chapter 11. And the chapter is longer than one line, but we're just going to focus on one line. He writes, let each thing you would do, say, or intend be like that of a dying person. I'll read it again. Let each thing you would do, say, or intend be like that of a dying person. Now, this is a theme we've talked about a lot, and uh, I have already given my, what I think is the most effective approach that I've found for actually doing this. Uh, I'll include a link to that in the show notes. And most recently, this was on my mind because of yesterday's, or not yesterday's episode, the episode from earlier this week on the the counting the weeks of my life chart, which I will also include a link to in the show notes. However, what I want to focus on today is a uh, an excerpt I read from from the book of Awakening by Mark Nepo. So Mark Nepo is a poet, and I don't remember how old he was when he was diagnosed with uh, with cancer, but he was. And basically, the the diagnosis and the treatment and the recovery were a transformative experience for him. And he writes about that a lot in this book, The Book of Awakening. And what I want to read is an excerpt that I wrote, not that I wrote, <laughs> that I read on, uh, I wrote because I just wrote it down on my computer, uh, that I read on uh, the entry for November 15th, which is on pages 376 and 377. Okay, so he writes as follows. Three years from my surgeries, I was taking a shower. And there on my head along the scar is the beginning of of a pimple. In 30 seconds, I am tripping into a cascade of what ifs. What if this is another tumor? What if it is spreading? As the water pelts me, my fear runs wild. I can see myself in the doctor's office, undressing for surgery, walking the halls in recovery, lying down for chemo, getting weaker, dying. There and back in 30 seconds. My heart is pounding, naked in the shower. I so want to live. I am so awake, finally at peace, but what if this is true? What shall I do? Where shall I go? But in this moment, the shower rinses me over and over, and I come home. If this is true, if I am to die soon, I know what I will do. I sigh more deeply than ever I thought possible. I will finish my shower. In that moment, I learned that everything is right where we are. No matter our pain or distress, all of life is in whatever moment we wake to. I could clearly see and feel how our fear of death makes us run, though there was nowhere to go. Yet mysteriously, I learned that there's a ring of peace at the center of every fear, if we can only get to it. Every time I shower now, I try to remember that we cannot fully that we cannot live fully until we can first accept our eventual death. Otherwise, we will always be running to or running from. Only when we can accept that we are fragile guests on this earth only then will we be at home wherever we are. End of the excerpt. So that is a, I found that to be very powerful. And uh, there are several ideas here, but the one I want to focus on today is that this made me realize that there is a difference between living <laughs> between living as someone who is going to die versus the fantasy of living as someone who is going to die. Uh, and whenever we engage in this exercise of live each day as if it's your last, I think it is very easy for the fantasy to overtake our, you know, uh, the, the, (laughs) what we would rationally do if this was going to be our, uh, 
our last day. Uh, so again, in the particular case here, he's, you know, he, he freaks out in the shower thinking he's going to die. And then he asks himself, what would I do if I, if I knew I was going to, uh, that this was the beginning of the end, I would finish my shower, <laughs> you know, and that, that does not match up with the fantasy, right? The fantasy says, oh, you have to urgently like run and like do something and, and like, you know, make use of every second in a different way. And no, it, it would be rational to finish your shower, you know? So th that thought really, again, this, this is, this is a theme that we come back to and, and, and play with here of, of, you know, it's easy to think that if you knew you were going to die, then you would, uh, I don't know, like take all your money out of your bank account and do X, Y, Z with it, you know, or, or like immediately quit your, your job and, and then, you know, fly to your family and blah, blah, blah. But, but really like, I, I, I think that in many cases, when we, when we conjure up scenes like this in our head, it is stemming from the fantasy the imagination of what we would do if we knew we were dying. And, and here's the clincher, which is that we are dying, right? So this is a, I, I, oh, I should have mentioned this. I got this, I decided to do an episode on this today based on the, the entry in the daily stoic, uh, by Ryan holiday. And this was the entry for December 2nd, which is when I'm recording this. Um, and, uh, so he quotes that Marcus Aurelius and he says, have you ever heard some ask what, would you do if you found out tomorrow that you had cancer? The question is, is designed to make you consider how different life might be if you were suddenly given just a few months or weeks to live. There's nothing like a terminal illness to wake people up. But here's the thing, you already have a terminal diagnosis. We all do. As the writer Edmund Wilson put it, death is one prophecy that never fails. Every person is born with a death sentence. Each second that passes by is one you'll never get back. Once you realize this, it will have a profound impact on what you do say and think. Don't let another day tick away in ignorance of the reality that you're a dying person. We all are. Can today be a day that we stop pretending otherwise? So, uh, again, th this is, the, this is the, the, the tricky thing here, is that on the one hand, we all have a terminal sentence. We are going to die. And it could be, to, it could be tomorrow. It could be today. But... And therefore, it should impact the way that we live. But the question is how. And I, I guess what I, I wanted to, to focus on in this episode, again, is that there is this fantasy-based idea, which, which if you think about the fact that you're going to die, causes you to just do something insane, you know, to do something irrational. And, and I, I think that's the thing that, that we have to like examine here. Uh, I'm going to give you another example of this. Um, one of the best commencement addresses that I've heard, second, I don't know if it's second to, but the number one slot is This is Water by David Foster Wallace, in case you uh, have not read that yet. Make sure you get the, the full version of it, not the, uh, the sanitized or edited version. Anyway, but uh, another great commencement address is the, uh, is the one that Steve Jobs gave at Stanford in 2005. And I'm just going to read one paragraph from it. He says, when I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, like this. If you live each day as if it were your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. It made an impression on me, and since then, for the past 33 years, I have looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Now, uh, this, is a, this is a very subtle difference in the way that Steve Jobs is presenting this teaching of Marcus Aurelius, right, is that he, he says, you know, if if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about to be doing today, right? And he doesn't just say that if the answer is no, then he then he stops doing what he's going to do. He says, if the answer is no for too many days in a row, then something needs to change. And I think that's another example of there is the the fantasy version of if I was going if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, what would I do? And according to that fantasy version, you would just quit doing what you're doing right now and then do something else. 
but then there's the 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 more realistic way of, of of thinking about it, which is which is not, in other words, I guess what I'm trying to say here is that the question should prompt an examination of the type of life you are living and prompt changes in the type of life you're living or the way that you are relating to life, not necessarily in the concrete minute by minute decisions. Because if you take it to that level, then the fantasy takes over and you end up, you know, jumping out of your car on a moving highway and running to your family or whatever it is, you know. So uh, I, I was thinking about this in relation to my own life uh, yesterday. Um, and, you know, thank God I am living a life where uh, I do what Steve Jobs says. And I ask myself if today were the last day of my life, what I want to do, what I'm about to do today. And uh, and the answer is uh, is many times yes. I mean, again, with small with small. Uh, 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 differences, but I, I was thinking about this in, you know, I, uh, you know, uh, I was going through my day. So let's say like yesterday, just to give you an idea, you know, so, um, I, uh, I, you know, woke up, I had uh, a nice, uh, good, almost hour of reading, uh, reading the, uh, the book fate and destiny by, uh, by Rob Soloveitchik, um, while I had my coffee, then I davened, you know, with the Hanukkah, um, you know, editions of Alhamisim and uh, Hallel, which I, I enjoyed thinking about. Then I started preparing for my Mishle Shir, which, uh, you know, uh, there's obviously nothing I love more uh, to teach or learn than Mishle. Then went to Yeshiva, taught that, uh, and then, you know, uh, came back, tutored, uh, you know, uh, had a great tutoring session and preparing for my Chumashir in the night. Uh, then went back to you, uh, ate, ate a, a great festive lunch. Uh, I, I bought myself uh, an ahi tuna steak uh, and some uh, um, maitake mushrooms and made a nice gourmet uh, uh, filling lunch. Enjoyed that. Went to Yeshiva, gave a shear in Raman Bakus, came back, started preparing for my hummus shear, had dinner. Um, or played played a game of magic, had dinner or Hanukkah candles, had dinner, went back to Yeshiva, gave a, a shear that was just extremely enjoyable um, on the parsha, and, and then came back and went to sleep. Now that is a day that I would um, I would definitely uh, you know if, if that if that ended up being my last day, I think it was a day well spent. However, there was a moment in my Rambam shear which was on the design of the menorah, okay? And we were poring over the details in the Rambam, trying to figure out what exactly the types of flowers looked like on the menorah and and what it means that they were almondized and, and you know, scrutinizing these, these details. And I had this moment, this brief moment of like stepping outside of my body looking at myself saying, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know? And I realized, what are we doing here? We are involved in, in, you know, in, uh, in Torah Lishma. We are involved in, in learning Torah for its own sake, you know? And then I compared that experience with, with the other experiences in the day, you know? So compared to Mishle, what we were doing was not particularly enjoyable, you know, um, like, and it was not particularly practical. And compared to eating an ahi tuna steak, it was not pleasurable. And compared to, uh, you know, giving an, uh, uh, my chumashir, it was not particularly exciting. Yet in that snapshot, we were involved in something that was part of a lifestyle that was worth living, even if in the exact moment it was not, uh, it, it, it wasn't something that I would be wanting. I don't want to spend my entire life scrutinizing the the particular design of 
of of of the menorah, you know. But it was but looked at in the big picture, it was part of a full day that was emblematic of a lifestyle that is worth living and that I am happy about. And and again, th this is what I'm trying to emphasize in this episode here, which is that that the you know, live each moment as if it's your last is really not about the moment to moment existence. It's about the, the, the type of life that you're leading. And, uh, and I, I think, and, 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 uh, bearing in mind the distinction between the fantasy of the dying man and the actuality of what a dying man would, would do, I think is a, is a key to like cutting through that, that, uh, that reactionary mode of implementing this teaching. And I, I want to end with something that going back to what Mark Nepo says in the end of that entry, he says, every time I shower now, I try to remember that we cannot live fully until we can first accept our eventual death. Otherwise, we will always be running to or running from. Only when we can accept that we are fragile guests on this earth, only then will we be at home wherever we are. So that line of running to and running from also really stood out to me. When I was doing my meditation on uh, yesterday morning, uh, the, I do a I tend to do a five minute meditation after chakras of just sitting and letting my mind go wherever it does. I realized that I had this like frantic feeling that I needed to rush because I also had some like errands that I wasn't sure if I was going to do, um, you know, that that day or or at another time. And then I I, I uh, was going to be making uh, chili for for dinner, and I realized I didn't have enough ingredients. And I was thinking, can I can I run to to you know to Trader Joe's and and get something? And uh, and then I I had anxiety about my hummus shear that I was going to give because I felt completely underprepared. And I realized that there there was this part of me that just felt the need to rush. And I think that that's another thing that um, is somehow related to this teaching of Marcus Aurelius of of thinking that you're uh, of living each uh, living like a dying man, and that a dying man wouldn't rush. <laughs> okay, and uh, and I, I'm not obviously not saying that based on experience. I mean, I'm saying that Mark Nepo was a dying man and he didn't rush. And, um, and I, he's not the only one who said this, uh, there, there I, you know, I've, I've read, uh, other accounts of people who are dying and this frantic thing of just rushing here and there, that's something that I think is in addition to, that's something that I, I think I need to work on here, which is that even, you know, though my life currently is one where I am doing what I want to be doing, and I do think it is a life worth living. I, I don't always relate to it as such. I, I'm oftentimes living in the future and being frantic about worrying about how a particular shear is going to turn out and and not stopping to enjoy you know to enjoy what I'm doing, always thinking about that next moment. And uh, and I you know I, I am definitely trying to put in practices that uh, that mitigate that. For example, the gratitude journal, uh, I, today is going to be day 148. Uh, that has definitely helped me to be more grounded in the present and in savoring and being thankful for what is good in my life. But it's a, it's, it's a challenge, you know, to not just rush around and be always running to or running from. So yeah, those are my thoughts for today. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I I hope that that was uh, as uh, I thought. I hope that the 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 line of thinking that was prompted by Mark Nepo's writing, in my mind, prompts a similar line of thinking in your own mind. And we're obviously all at different places in life right now, so um, you know maybe it'll impact you in a different way than it impacted me, and uh, that too is good.
All right, that's it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah content fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle and PayPal are matt-schneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with a financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnaywise at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone. And if you're listening to this live, then have a happy rest of Hanukkah.